If a person does not have an emergency fund, then there are two options. One, he or she has to stop investing and direct that money towards the unexpected expense and the investing can stop for one, two, three months or so. Or worse, if the expense is a lot more than that, then he or she would ha have to redeem from their you know, fixed deposits or mutual funds or whatever they have invested in and uh, that would uh, reduce their net worth, that, that would reduce their wealth. So the biggest danger to building wealth is not market risk. It is these kind of interruptions to the growth of that wealth by uh, repeated redemptions. Mind is blown. What a concept. This is that Offspin original you've all been waiting for. It's time for Let's Get Rich with Patu. Welcome back. A new week, a new chance to get rich with Pattu. We've got some great responses from our first episode, but more importantly, Pattu, how are you feeling? And how has the last week been since our first recording? I'm doing fine and I'm uh, eager to take on the next question. Yes, we do have a very interesting question on this episode, Pattu. And also from a 20-odd-year-old person. Uh, we'll play the question in a bit, but I wanted to start with a googly question. And everyone knows what a googly is, right? It's a, it's a ball that turns the other way when you least expect it. So this question is a follow-up from last week's episode. Remember, it was somebody who hadn't started earning um, and wanted to know whether they should start thinking about investing. And Pattu, you said yes, perhaps think of a recurring deposit, which made a lot of sense. And you also said perhaps consider index funds, which could be like the Nifty 50, etc., etc. And since the past episode, I realized and noticed that uh, stocks like Adani are also part of the Nifty, which... And I don't mean to sound anti-national at all. I have nothing against the company, but they are volatile. And there are some serious questions that still need to be answered by the company. So what do you feel about that? Are, are index funds as safe as we thought last week? Market risks is never, are never going to go away. I mean, uh, there's always going to be some stock under some kind of trouble. Uh, and uh, I think an index investor should not worry about what stocks are there inside the basket. That's that's the whole point of being an index investor. You just track the index and you don't worry about what's inside your uh, portfolio. So there'll always be some kind of uh, stock that's in uh, hot water, but it just keeps moving. They move in and out of the index. And if you look at the stock market volatility, it's a constant. Uh, it doesn't matter whether we are in a bull run or a bear run, the market is always going to be volatile. and. Uh, we will always find some reason for why it's volatile, but we never know. It's just uh, some mixture of uh, market demand versus supply. So I would suggest ignore that and invest systematically. But that leads to a question, and you know I'm full of questions. Um, who decides which stocks go into the Nifty and, and what weightage each stock is given? I, I mean, is it a group of people? Is it automated? How does this work? It is done by the index curator, either it is the Sensex, uh, the Sensex is done by the PSC or the Nifty is done by the NSC. It is done by a group of people and they meet twice a year to decide, uh, for some indices is twice a year, for some indices is more often than that. And they decide what uh, 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 stocks get to go inside. And so it's, it's a set of man-made rules and most importantly, these rules are subject to change. 
and they can change after we start investing and that has happened several times in the past so literally my imagination is going wild there's a boardroom they meet twice a year they have this meeting and say this particular stock should go for this particular reason is there a vote who who are these people and 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 does the public you know select these people is it a is it a democracy at all no no uh, the the rules are defined and uh, after that it's pretty much algorithmic the changes are done twice a year or more often than that depending on the index but what i meant to say is that the board would meet uh from time to time and consider any uh, changes to the uh, the algorithm rules if necessary and that has happened several years uh, several times in the past couple of decades all right that was the googly enough of a segue it's time for for the real business which is your questions listeners we can't do this show without you make sure you send in your questions you can do it as a voice note you can do it as a text message you can do it any way you feel comfortable you can be anonymous you can name yourself whatever it is try and contact patu on his facebook page or on youtube try and contact offspin media friends on our insta page direct message whichever way you can reach us we'd be happy to hear from you this show is entirely about your questions coming to this episode's question another 20 year old it's pretty clear who are mass listenership is um, and what age group they are at right let's play this question and then discuss it i'm 27 years old and i earn 30000 rupees a month how much money should i keep in my emergency fund so that leads me to a simple question right we are growing our money uh, it's all growing into this one big corpus why is there a need for a secondary corpus for emergency funds and what is an emergency fund sorry i asked too many questions over to you patu so we know that life is full of unexpected surprises right i mean our mobile phone is now working uh, nice and well uh, and then we just accidentally drop it on the floor and it smashes and then we need to fix its screen or we may have to buy a new mobile uh, we park our vehicle on the uh, on the road somebody uh, comes and bumps onto it and then uh, that entails repairs and so on so uh so an emergency fund is basically uh it's it's a rainy day stash so that we we can dip into it and uh handle expenses that are unexpected of course small expenses reasonably manageable expenses that are unexpected the reason why this is extremely crucial for young earners is that uh, uh they would have just started investing and they would have uh, they have not much to play with and they would put uh, some money in, let's say uh, in an index fund like we recommended last time some some amount in a uh, recurring deposit etc but what if they suddenly have to change their mobile phones or uh, their laptop crashed and uh, they need to buy a new laptop or service the laptop change the hard drive uh, retrieve data from the hard drive all these are uh, you know uh, unexpected surprises and and they're pretty expensive so um if uh, if a person does not have an emergency fund then there are two options one uh he or she has to stop investing and direct that money towards the uh, unexpected uh, expense and the expense and the investing can stop for uh 1 2 3 months or so or worse if the uh, expense is a lot more than that then he would he or she would ha- have to redeem from their uh, you know fixed deposits or mutual funds or whatever they have invested in and uh, that would uh, reduce uh, their net worth that that would reduce their wealth so uh, the biggest danger to building wealth is not market risk it is these kind of interruptions to the growth of that wealth by uh, repeated redemptions mind is blown what a concept 
let me repeat that the biggest risk to growing wealth is not market volatility but when you keep interrupting that process of growing your wealth this is perhaps the biggest personal mistake i've made in my mind for some reason instinctively i've always thought let's grow this one corpus this large and everything comes from that and please don't make that mistake right patu absolutely so so it's a, the emergency fund is you can think of it as another form of insurance just like you have life insurance you have health insurance so it's an insurance for your uh, young corpus as it's growing so it's it's basically like uh, uh, planting a tree when you plant a tree uh, i mean it, initially it needs some support the 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 stem needs some support to uh, move up in the right direction otherwise most trees uh, would die so you have you build a, a guard around it and once the tree becomes strong you can remove the guard and and the the tree itself would become so strong it would break the guard so that's that's essentially how uh, we have to structure an emergency fund it's basically to protect those unnecessary redemptions of course we uh, life can be harsh and uh, we may get an expense which is beyond what we have in our emergency fund but that's i mean we can't handle uh, every kind of risks out there so we can only do what we can but what i would recommend is try to um uh put away at least 5% to 10% of your take home pay into an emergency fund every month and start building it 5 to 10% of whatever you earn into an emergency fund what about what is the percentage of an emergency fund versus the actual what should we call it the main fund or the retirement corpus do you have a a ratio of what they look like in comparison to each other the, the emergency fund would be small but uh, let's let's think in terms of um of investments per se and contributions to each corpus so i would recommend uh, for retirement that we invest an amount that is about 70 to 100% of our monthly expenses nice okay so if our if our monthly expenses is x then we we must try to invest at least 70 to 100% of that x for retirement alone uh for emergencies we can just uh, we can just try to manage with whatever we can scrape around here and there left 5% is uh, okay 10% is great amazing so on this show we have vowed that we won't keep it vague right let's get into the dirty details The question we've received today is thirty thousand rupees per month, which means ideally this person should restrict spending to fifteen thousand rupees a month, and invest fifteen thousand as a as a retirement corpus, or close to fifteen thousand as a retirement corpus, maybe ten to twelve thousand, and then what three thousand rupees for the retirement fund? Have I got that right? These are just thumb rules, and we uh, we can't uh, uh, ask every young earner to try and uh, adopt this because they can't because they they won't have much space to play with, especially when their income is small. But what I would recommend is first, don't even start thinking about investing for retirement initially. Um, try to build an emergency corpus. We will talk about where to build it. Uh, try to build a corpus that's like the, that's worth about at least. uh anywhere between 3 months 6 months 9 months of your uh, expenses monthly expenses so if your monthly expenses are 20000 your you can build an emergency fund that is uh 3 times that or 6 times that something and then you contribute first you aggressively build the emergency fund and then you can reduce the contributions to the emergency fund to let's say 
uh, 5% or 10%. And then you can focus on investing for retirement and other goals. Wow. So for early earners, you're saying the first priority should be the emergency fund. Correct. That's amazing. I don't think anyone's ever said that so clearly. That's that's the kind of moat you build around your wealth so that it's uh, it safeguards those unnecessary redemptions or uh, interruptions in investing. By the way, on the show, no amount of money is small or big. And it's amazing that, you know, this show can do something for everyone, no matter what their earning levels are. All right. So first focus on your emergency fund. Once it is around six times, maybe nine times your monthly earnings or your monthly expenses, sorry. That's when you start thinking about a retirement larger corpus. Now we delve into that part of the episode of how we do it. But to what would be the first few steps you start thinking about? FDs, mutual funds, where does one start investing an emergency fund? Obviously, it needs to be liquid, right? So what are the requirements for an emergency fund? One is you need to uh, get your hands on that money as quickly as possible. That is all. I mean, that is the only requirement of an emergency fund. You don't need to worry about what is the return you're going to get. Uh, because life is always going to give you some emergency or the other, that emergency fund is not going to compound or grow into something big because that is the one which is designed for uh, interruptions and that's always going to happen. So let's not spend too much time on which is going to give us more returns uh, for an emergency fund. That's a complete waste of our time. So all we need is for it to be liquid. So the, the, the basic thing I would recommend is... Um, have a bank account which is different from your salary account. So your salary account is where the money from your employer or your business um, uh, is there. And you're that's, that's, that's where you're going to take from for all your day to day expenses. So you can't put your emergency fund there because then it's all going to be one uh, mess and you're going to remove from the emergency fund unknowingly before you know it. So put it in a separate account, uh, SB account is fine because it's going to be just as liquid as uh, your salary account and you, you can have an ATM card for it, you can have an uh, online account for it. So you can withdraw uh, from it or uh, you know transact with it in any different number of ways. So that would be the first step. Uh, and also an ideal emergency fund can have different it, it, uh, layers, it can, have, it can also be as diversified as an investment portfolio. You can have Interesting. Uh, uh, some money in an SB account, some money in a fixed deposit, some money in a liquid fund and so on. So, I mean, it depends on how interested you are in knowing about all these avenues and your knowledge of personal finance. But for the absolute beginner, I would say don't bother about all that. Just get yourself a bank account. I'm sure all of us always have an additional bank account, which is not our salary account and just divert this money there and let it be there. Let it just, you let just rot there if you, uh, and throw away its debit card. Yeah. <laughs> until, until you get an emergency. So that's, uh, the way to bring it. Uh, in your experience and speaking to so many people you've helped, uh, you know, in the, in the past few years or decades, uh, how long does it take to build an emergency fund of six times your monthly expenses? It can't literally be six months, right? It's it's slower than that. Uh, it it can vary a lot. Of uh, it can it depends on. See, most people have already started investing before they build their emergency fund. So, which means that exactly they can't uh, you know build that aggressively as we want to. And also during the time we build an emergency fund, we could have emergencies. Absolutely. So you know you literally put aside five thousand the first month, the second month, and the third month you have to withdraw all ten thousand. It's all gone. So yeah. So it, it it's a matter of uh, luck, but what matters is our discipline. Uh, it, forget about the uncertainties, but as long as we are disciplined in putting away whatever we can, 
control what you can eventually we should be able to get something comfortable awesome uh, i'm going to delve into some other questions so we've already answered that it should be a simple savings bank account for beginners it could then get diversified into mutual funds or a combination of assets are there certain emergencies that we should not touch our emergency fund for and instead have had insurance for or is that or does that come later after we've set up our emergency fund for example you have an accident you should definitely have medical insurance absolutely so th that is a uh, so whatever you can get yourself insured uh, insurable risks are different we are now uh, these emergency funds are uh, typically small expenses which uh, you haven't thought about but it just hits you and you don't uh, you don't want to get stuck uh, into a cash flow problem because of that so, so the emergency fund is going to help it but even if you have health insurance uh, from your uh, employer or uh, you have your private uh, health insurance policy there are certain costs called non medical expenses like for example uh, gloves or uh, sanitary uh, uh, use in a in a, in a patient's room uh do cosmetic uh, medicines whatever it is those will not be covered by a health insurance policy and typically uh, those expenses would amount to anywhere between 10% to 15% of the hospital bill so uh, the insurer will only pay for the medical expenses the non medical expenses we still have to pay so even even if we have a health insurance the emergency fund is going to be useful right so it's it's like i said it's uh, uh, it's it's one the emergency is on, uh, uh, fund is only one form of insurance but there are other forms of insurance which we need to you know strengthen our uh, our our castle of wealth which we should dedicate an entire episode or two or three to because it's such a vast topic <clears throat> and also on that medical uh, insurance bit it's only if you spend a night in hospital that you can claim right if it's like a day procedure you can't even claim insurance is is the little i know oh no no that's not, that's wrong actually uh, to this day many hospitals and many doctors believe that uh, that is wrong because uh, we now have more than 1000 day care procedures and as technology is advancing whatever took a week in hospital uh, surgery plus recovery is can be done in, in a matter of hours and uh, the insurer would like that because they're going to spend less right so for them it's a uh, it's going to uh, it's not going to cut into their profit margin so the insurer is going to be happy to cover a day care procedure as long as it's an approved day care procedure in their terms amazing what an unexpected googly for me this time and i'm so glad you mentioned that i'm going to delve into my medical insurance right now and break this news to my entire family that look even day care procedures are covered but to would you recommend if we move it to a, a separate savings bank account the emergency fund we should activate the recurring deposit on that as well um no uh, i would say first let the money build in the second savings bank account and then once you are comfortable that you have enough for reasonable sized emergencies you can continue i like i said that 10% 5% from your uh, take home pay you can probably start a um, recurring deposit with it or you can accumulate some money in the savings bank account and put it into a fixed deposit then you have something called a flexi deposits where uh, beyond a certain threshold that amount goes into a fixed deposit and it's it's still as liquid as a savings bank account there are multiple options uh, my uh, view is that th there are certain things in personal finance that we should not spend too much time worrying about and the emergency fund is one of them you you know that it's got to be liquid you put it in somewhere liquid you know that it's not going to grow there's going to be some emergency that's going to deplete it so let's not waste too much time on what are the two different options are 
And that's my cue, Pattu, very subtly telling me to end this episode. It's been wonderful chatting about emergency funds, Pattu. Thank you so much. To summarize very quickly in a few seconds, it should ideally be 5 to 10% of your monthly earnings. You should ideally try to build it to around 6 to 9 times of your monthly expenses. And only once it's in place, start thinking about a retirement corpus or a, your grand life corpus, as, as we like to call it here. Thanks a lot. Keep those questions coming in. And that's it for the Emergency Fund. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. All right. It's time to simplify the financial terms Pattu and Sid used on this episode of Let's Get Rich with Pattu. Buckle up. Let's get financially literate. The first one. Emergency Funds. It's a stash of money set aside to cover the financial surprises life throws your way. It could be an unexpected medical bill, car repair, or even losing your job. It's your financial life jacket when things go south. The second term, corpus. It is the total amount of money you have in a particular fund or investment. If you are saving for retirement, for example, the corpus would be the total money you have saved when you finally retire. You can keep adding to this corpus. And the last one, flexi deposit. It is a kind of fixed deposit which can be automatically created when your account reaches a certain threshold of money. It has flexible tenures which means you can take that money out whenever you want and still earn higher interest than a savings account. That's all for this episode. Let's learn more next week. You just heard Let's Get Rich with Pattu, an Offspin original. Isn't it the coolest show you've heard in the Indian podcasting space? And even if it isn't, what's the point of getting rich alone, right? Share this show with those you care about and perhaps even with those you don't care about. But make sure you share this show with only those who you don't mind being richer than you. The music on this show was created by Pattu's biggest fan, Rajesh Ravi, and everyone on the Offspin team had some part or the other to play on the show. Let me name them quickly. Harshdi Nisrani, Krishank Das, Sandeep Banerjee, Arif Chagla, Anand Krishnan, Rajesh Ravi, and Heer Khan. Heer, by the way, is also to be blamed for giving Pattu his gangster look, which is how he looks on a daily basis. Um, and me, Sidhan, your host. Let's Get Rich is available on all audio platforms wherever you consume your podcasts. So spread the word and we'll see you next week. You know we do this show only to help you guys, right? But if you're listening and you're that one person who has perhaps lost money and are holding it against Pattu or me for making you lose that money, then not only are you a mean person, but you also need to listen to this legal disclaimer. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any financial advice. Views expressed are not official positions of financial institutions or Pattu or mine for that matter. Although we strongly believe in them, listen to this disclaimer even more carefully. We recommend consulting a qualified professional before making decisions. We disclaim liability for inaccuracies or losses from using this information in our show. By listening, you agree that the host, guests and producers are not only awesome people, but they are not responsible for your financial decisions or outcomes. 